My Family and Other Mysteries, a Harefield Press podcast presented by Paula Jeffrey. Hello, thanks for joining me again in this third episode of the story of Jane Pierce and Jabez Rainbow. It's 1841 in St Albans and Jane and Jabez were boyfriend and girlfriend. Maybe. Um, Jane is variously described as a straw platter, a woman of loose morals and a prostitute. I'm not sure we can take the description of her as a prostitute at face value. This was the era of the moralistic Victorians. Any woman, particularly a working class woman who had sex outside marriage, would be regarded as a woman of loose morals. And that expression seemed to be interchangeable with the word prostitute. One clue I did come across in a newspaper report was that of Jane's character. She was described as being a conscientious worker until, that is, she met Jabez when she became lazy because she spent so much time with him. That doesn't describe a prostitute-client relationship to me, but who knows? What we can be sure of is that Jane and Jabez were seeing each other in the October of 1841. Jabez was billeted at another pub, the White Lion, a couple of streets away, but apparently it wasn't a requirement for soldiers to stay where they were billeted, so every now and then he would take a room at the boot with Jane. On the night of October the 3rd, 1841, Jane and Jabez were staying at the boot. The landlord, Richard Foxall, said that the pair had taken a room there several occasions, the first time being about five weeks earlier. This conflicted slightly with Jane's account, who was to go on to say that the first time she'd stayed overnight at the boot with Jabez was a week earlier. Some of the discrepancies between the testimony of Jane and others might again reflect on the prevailing social and cultural morality of the time. In mid-Victorian Britain, women were expected to be virtuous until marriage, in quotes, a woman's natural destiny. Working-class people were generally afraid of courts and judges, not least for their great power in passing seemingly random, life-altering sentences. Communities were close-knit, and reputations could be damaged beyond repair by a newspaper article or court appearance. This is probably worth bearing in mind when we consider Jane's statements, when she might be minimising her intimate relationship with Jabez. The room at the boot occupied by Jabez and Jane that weekend had three beds. According to Jane's testimony, they had also stayed there the evening before, Saturday the 2nd, and both the other beds had been occupied. Our attitudes to privacy has changed somewhat over the centuries, and it was common practice for strangers to share a room when staying at a cheap lodging house or coaching inn during the 19th century. However, on Sunday night, Jabez and Jane had the room to themselves, At around quarter to six the following morning, Jabez called down to the landlord to bring him beer and ginger beer. Although this might seem to be a strange request at that time of the morning, drinking weak beer was accepted as being an appropriate drink for all, including children, 
given the poor and unsanitary drinking water available in towns. Foxall took the drinks up to the room and Jabez opened the door, dressed only in a shirt, and took the drinks. Initial reports then say that at ten to seven, just under an hour later, Foxall heard Jabez call out, Master, Master. Foxall was in the bar at the time and went to the foot of the stairs to see Jabez at the top, still with only his shirt on, but now covered in blood. When Jabez saw Foxall, he shouted, Murder, murder. He went on to shout variations of, Call the police, come take me. Foxall rushed upstairs and into the room to find Jane lying on the bed with her throat cut, bleeding profusely. Some reports mention that Jabez's face was so thoroughly covered in blood that it was almost impossible to make out his features. Foxall asked Jabez how he had come to do it, but Jabez only replied, send for the police. When John Lacey, the police constable, arrived on the scene, he was greeted at the room door by Jabez, who said, Lacey, take me, I have cut her throat, and gestured towards Jane lying on the bed. The policeman's testimony states that Jabez had no shirt on, only trousers and boots, and although his upper body was covered in blood, there was no blood on his trousers. This would suggest he had started dressing before the police arrived, no doubt in anticipation of being taken into custody. In another report, Foxall's evidence describes the two policemen, Lacey and Jacques, arriving, the latter being immediately dispatched to get medical aid. Foxall and Lacey went up to the room to find Jabez putting his braces on. He went on to add that by the position of the woman on the bed, it didn't appear that Jabez had injured her further. It appears that Jabez was left alone in the room with Jane during the time Foxall went for help and the police arriving. It would seem extraordinary that the attacker and victim were left alone together, Jabez getting dressed and Jane, to all intents and purposes, lying, dying on the bed. A contemporary publication, The Era, describes the scene with some enthusiasm. On entering the room, a horrid spectacle was presented. The floor was covered with blood, while the perpetrator of the deed stood at a short distance from the nearly lifeless, mangled body lying upon a bed, the blood flowing copiously from wounds in the throat and several parts of the body. Lacey asked Jabez what he had committed this act with and Jabez replied a razor. He asked where it was and Jabez gestured towards the bed. Lacey rummaged around the bedclothes but couldn't find it. Jane somehow found the strength to pull the mattress up a little to reveal its hiding place. She had managed to slip it underneath after Jabez dropped it. Lacey took the razor and later produced it in court as evidence, still covered in dried blood. (laughs) 
Lacey grabbed Jabez by both wrists and sat him down on one of the other beds. He noted that Jabez was trembling and he asked him if he had any reason to commit the act. He only shook his head. He was asked to produce his shirt and Lacey noted that it was torn and soaked with blood but there were no wounds on Jabez's body. Jabez begged to be allowed to wash himself and requested that he be conveyed to the station in the best way to avoid the curiosity of the spectators gathering outside. He was allowed to wash but it's not reported on how he was taken to the station. The case was widely reported and syndicated in newspapers across the country and it was confidently predicted that the poor girl would not last the night and by the morning this would be a murder case. Join me next time when we look at the trial of Jabez Rainbow. This was a Harefield Press podcast. Written, produced and presented by me, Paula Jeffrey, With extracts from the book Chasing Rainbows, also by me, Paula Jeffrey, at an Amazon store near you. Don't forget to subscribe in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. <laughs>